Hey guys, welcome to episode 6 of the Zero to 100 podcast. Uh, today I was lucky enough to speak with Jim Delderfield. He is a former butcher turned uh, personal trainer, ultra marathon runner and uh, a ninja warrior. So he's featured on um, episode 1 of Australian Ninja Warrior, um, and uh, and he just talks about his his um, his incredibly fast uh, journey through the ranks and um, and into his uh, chosen profession now. Um, so please enjoy my chat with him. Quick disclaimer: um, had some serious tech issues, but. All of his content is really audible and clear, so um, please be patient with my <laughs> my section um, working on that. But uh, yeah, his story is fantastic. So uh, tune in, have a listen, and um, enjoy. Thank you so much. Yeah, worries. Yeah. A bit of free time to yourself? Yes, uh, a few plans to get out on the trails as we normally do. Yeah, yeah. So you told, you told me before you um, going to run a bit of a, a boot camp, some trail run tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm a personal trainer for those that don't know me, slash Ninja Warrior, slash OCR racer, <laughs> slash trail runner. Um, <laughs> I work down at SA Base Camp, which is one of Australia's biggest indoor obstacle training facilities. Um, we're holding a six-week winter challenge at the moment, so the crew we have there have, haven't really got out on the trails that much, so we'll be taking them out to Mount Lofty and putting them through a few uh, different challenges. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool, <laughs> um, oh, so just um, yeah, with your, with your PT stuff and uh, the ninja stuff, so what... Um, did you kind of get into personal training first and then sort of fall into the Um, kind of progressed and happened along the same sort of timeline. Yeah. I guess I started my fitness journey back about 2012, 2013. Started lifting weights and just that normal sort of yeah. bro science, <laughs> get big <laughs> kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then... 2015-ish, I found OCR, Obstacle Course Racing, and then that really like ignited my passion for fitness. Yeah. And then from then, I was like, I need to get into personal training so I can help others experience what I went through and yeah, help them go through that. So, yeah, kind of, it all just happened together, really. Yeah. Did you find like you sort of made, well, not made a lot of mistakes, but you sort of, um, I guess, the drive to help other people is to kind of help. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. through what I went through, yeah. it was making mistakes and yeah. doing different things. You sort of learn and pick all these things up. And yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, you mentioned the uh, the base camp stuff. So that's fairly specialised. It is. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, just doing base camp stuff at the moment, but I deal with a lot of like body weight movements called, uh, it's like a zoo movement, so it's got a big culture about movement, it doesn't matter how fit or how old or whatever you are, it's going to benefit you depending on what sport you're doing. So I base a lot of my training around that to get everyone somewhere to just progress and start moving. And then, yeah, a lot of people obviously being an obstacle racing gym want to get to that stage where they want to be a ninja warrior or getting into the OCR. So starting with the body weight movement, you just, you just can't beat it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just getting those, yeah, those, those movements right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, strengthening, <laughs> getting the joints ready to handle whatever you're going to be able to throw at it. Oh, massive, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as I learnt doing the strong list program and then <laughs> trying to get moving into OCR. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. How was that transition? Like, did you find, like, you seem like fairly yeah. Yeah, it was for me. I think I did have a natural ability for obstacles. I think growing up on a farm, climbing trees, jumping over fences and stuff like that. I just kind of, it was in my nature to <laughs> do that kind of stuff. But yeah, I've learnt that it doesn't come that easily to absolutely everyone, which has been a really good learning experience for me having to break down certain obstacles and teach that to someone that doesn't actually understand how their body's moving through it. It's, yeah. it's actually made me learn a lot more yeah. having to think about it rather than just, yeah. oh, you know, there's a, there's a wall, I'll run at that and climb <laughs> and pull myself up and over it. So. Yeah. That's cool. Um, you yeah. learn a lot when you, when you start teaching. Yeah, um, for sure. You <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And how much is like instinct and how much of that you take? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I read, yeah, I read in, in an article you, you spent some years in a hip brace, as you tried to say. Yeah. Mm, months? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, when I was born, I had hip dysplasia. Okay. So, my like hips are ball and socket joints, and the socket hadn't. Uh, actually formed properly yeah. so yeah I was had to be put in a brace to hold my hips in the correct position and actually let those bones form and hold the right position otherwise I wouldn't have been able to walk and run or climb and jump and do all the things that I am doing today so, yeah when I was born so the first three three or so months of my life I was yeah I don't actually remember obviously yeah, yeah. but <laughs> Yeah, the body adapts pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us about the zoo fit. Tell us, tell us a bit more about that. So, um, that's obviously like the same lots of functional stuff. Yeah. Um, um, so, just the, the functional kind of body weight stuff. Um, yeah. The mobility and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah. So the way I sort of found Zoo, uh, one of the trainers at base camp used to do do a bit of it as well. And then going back probably, what was it, 2017, 
mid 2017, I'd actually done a 24 hour endurance obstacle race and a whole bunch of other things led into me tearing a tendon in my shoulder. Probably my strong lift days, <laughs> overhead pressing yeah. with in uh, terrible form and stuff like that. Just a combination of things led to me doing that injury. And then I guess I was told I'd need surgery to get it back to 100% or back to where I was. Yeah. And I'm pretty skeptical about the health system and different, like the old way of doing things. So to be told straight away, I have to have surgery and there's no other way to fix it. I was like, ah, I don't know if I believe that. So I started yeah. looking for other methods of how I could strengthen it and get it back to full health. So uh, through zoo movements, because it's totally body weight, so you can regress any movement back to like your entry point. So you can totally regress it. So there's 80, 90 year olds in nursing homes that are doing these movements to actually get their bodies moving again and start creating that form and mobility. So I was like, that could, that could potentially work. So yeah, I got certified in this sort of movement and through doing heaps of bear crawls where you're on the ground on all points of contact, you're just crawling forward and backwards and loading through the shoulders yeah. in dynamic ways, moving sideways and just in movement patterns that we don't do these days because everyone's so sedentary sitting yeah. at a desk or the way we train is in one line of movement, up and down, bicep curls or bench press or whatever it may be. So loading the shoulder in those different directions yeah. just strengthens all those little stabilizers. Yeah. And yeah, I found now I'm stronger than I was before my actual injury. So it's helped massively. That's the thing, isn't it? When you, when you start to train functionally, um, it just... Yeah, because like I say, like a bicep kind of function, yeah, you're only training the bicep in your arms and the arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Functionality of it. Yeah. But it has its place, I guess, when you look back at bodybuilding and that sort of stuff, like doing isolation moves, you're going to get bigger and look a lot better. But uh, the guy that created Zoo, Nathan Hilberg, he was a power lifter. And the reason he got into it, his brothers were gymnasts and they had more of like a parkour sort of background and they were super mobile and one day they were just messing around crawling around and putting him to the test and he figured out that he was really immobile and actually couldn't move he was super strong had all this power but actually couldn't put it into any sort of practical use so he's like i really need to change this so then he started uh, i guess uh incorporating zoo well this is how it actually began he just started moving around in these different movement patterns and then his kids be like, oh, you look like a, a bear doing that, or you look like a frog. And that's how he kind of started getting the names for these different movements. And as he sort of progressed through that, he realized how beneficial it was and then wanted to spread that. So he's made this zoo culture, and it's all about 
leading from the bottom and serving those that are the weaker, so the stronger help and get those weaker people moving through, finding those progressions and regressions. So it was really interesting to hear how he changed from being a powerlifter to now just totally doing bodyweight movements and living a much better quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, <laughs> so with um, so you have two two jobs. Um, how do you sort of balance your time? Do you want, actually tell us about your your, your other job? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually I've gone full time personal trainer as the start of this year. Oh, okay. So. I guess the process leading into being a personal trainer, I was previously a butcher. So I'd been a butcher for about 11 years, picked it up from the last few years of schooling, started a school-based apprenticeship. And then, yeah, just really enjoyed being a butcher. I guess it goes hand in hand with the fitness side of things, with what I like to eat, and my meat and veggies, keeping it pretty, <laughs> pretty easy, basic and healthy. But yeah. Last year was very hectic. I was uh, working, it was meant to be part-time, but I was still doing like a normal 38-hour week at the butchers, Monday to Friday. So I'd work from 7 till 2 or 3 in the afternoon, boost home, prepare my lunch and dinner, have an hour there, and then head down to base camp, which is an hour drive from where I was living. So then I'd be training clients down at base camp for another five, six hours and then I'd be finishing up about 8.30, 9 o'clock and then I'd be having to train and find time to do what I was doing as well, yeah. still competing and racing in OCR and Ninja Warrior type events. So I was putting in 15 hour days, most days a week and then yeah, trying to build up my client base so I could ease off of the butchers and get more into the personal training. Yeah. I knew it was going to be, it wasn't going to be forever, short-term sacrifice for a long-term sort of gain. So, yeah, I focused on just trying to build up those clients. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it reached a point at the end of last year, I guess, being a butcher, Christmas is one of the busiest times of the year. Yeah. I was just really running myself into the ground and I could feel my body was just wasn't really coping that well. I was always tired and starting to find training really hard, just getting little niggles here and there and stuff like that. So I knew I had to reduce something. So the start of yeah, so it's the start of this year. I made the call to leave the butchers and then jump straight into this personal training adventure, knowing it was going to be pretty hard because I didn't have enough to sort of stand on my own two feet but yeah so it's been been a good year of learning and <laughs> so did you find when um when you did suddenly have all that time to throw up the personal training stuff you really took off um funny kind of story yeah. <laughs> I guess <laughs> leaving like from being at the butchers 
doing the PT and training, I was just flat out non-stop every day. And then as soon as I stopped the butchers, I kind of fell into a bit of a rut for a stage where I got kind of lazy. I was like, I had all this free time and I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to pump my business heaps more, focus on all the social media type side of it and yeah, have heaps of time to train. But I actually fell into a bit of a rut where I was sleeping in. I got pretty lazy. I was like, I've got all the time in the world. I don't have to be anywhere. I don't have to rush. And then, yeah, I guess I started listening to a lot of motivational podcasts, um, David Goggins, Jocko Willink, uh, a lot of Joe Rogan stuff. and Just hearing all these guys that are so motivated and determined and like, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started getting pretty negative in my headspace. I was like, I gotta, gotta change something. So yeah, yeah. Over the last. That's why I thought because you actually might be very negative, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah. different inside and outside. But yeah, on the outside, you did it. Same, you pursued quite a positive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, I think. It's very easy to hide that sort of stuff. It's growing up. I didn't have the best uh, schooling life from my side of things, being picked on and bullied a bit. So being one of the smaller, weaker kids, which sort of led into my fitness. So I was like, I need to get bigger and stronger. So these kids stopped picking on me. And then, and then through that, I kind of built up a bit of a stronger resilience to that sort of stuff. And then, so yeah, I'm good at Good at hiding what's actually happening, <laughs> putting on a smile and being a personal trainer, you've always got to be positive and yeah. helping those that you're training with. So, yeah. yeah, but actually needing help yourself sometimes, it's good to talk and reach out to a few people. Yeah. And then through that, I guess, yeah, just. Did you have a good like, network, like a good close network? Yeah, amazing network. Yeah. But, yeah. It does. As long as they know, because yeah. <laughs> you can put on a smile and they don't know any difference. But it's when you actually talk to them and say, oh, look, I'm actually struggling here. I've fallen into a bit of a rut. Yeah. Like, okay, so you might need a bit of a bit of a tough love sort of situation where they're like, you've really got to <laughs> pull your finger out and start doing something about it. Yeah, yeah. I think the best, uh, definitely the best way forward in that is just to just keep pursuing something for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so how's business going? Yeah, really well. Really well, yeah. yeah. Since <laughs> pulling my finger out. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> amazing. You start picking up clients, it gets busier, and yeah. through getting more clients, you're more motivated to get out there. And I've been training a lot more and just finding my rhythm again, which is really good. You just feed up the energy, don't you? You, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just really snowballs. Yeah. The more you do, the more you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the more you grow, the more you learn, yeah. and the more you want to do. So, yeah. the last few months have been pretty hectic. I've moved house as well, so yeah. it's just added to the, the snowball of me yeah, yeah. not being able to stop. That's right. Just working with yeah. 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 So that's um that's awesome. That's yeah, super tough. Well, when I first started, 2015, I was like, this sport is amazing. 
I absolutely just fell in love with it straight away. So I was signing up for events left, right and centre, looking at the calendar, every event that I could find that was close. Or yeah. I started travelling interstate. I did an international trip in my very first year. <laughs> so I did, I can't even count how many I did in the first year. And then I guess, when was it? It's the following year, I kept that same sort of pace and just doing as many events as I could. And then that's when I injured my shoulder. I was like, I guess you can't just do absolutely everything. I was doing ninja competitions and then doing uh, like 24 hour races, ultra marathons and my body just yeah. said, no thanks, <laughs> just ease up a bit mate. Yeah. So that's where I sort of started to learn that you need to be more specific in your training and focus on yeah. something. You can't do everything. I'm still very young in the sport, so I need to be a bit smarter about what I'm doing. So yeah. Yeah. Now I'm a bit bit smarter about what I do. So. Yeah, yeah. So talk us through like the, um, just like and just the competition sort of side of things. Like how does it work? So are there like, um, do you have like a ranking as such? Like a national ranking or a state ranking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, OCR is still very new in Australia. I think it's only been around for the last probably six or seven years. I think so. It's a very new sport. I guess when it started, when I when I got into it, there was like an Australian-wide OCR group that had different rankings and placings for states and stuff like that. And that that sort of fell apart. A couple years ago, um, but in the competition, like you'll compete. Generally, you compete in your own states, and um, you know where you're at when you compete because you compete against the same people most of the time in the elite waves. Yeah. And then from that, um, there's actually OCR World Championships, which is held internationally, and then you get selected to represent the Australian team from that. So you've actually got to qualify by placing in the top five to ten spots in certain qualifying races. So then from that, you know where you're standing and then you go over to the world champs and where you place there. That's sort of like a world, gives you an idea of your world ranking and depending on where you finish, you, you'll come back and so, um, yeah, I actually was lucky enough to be the top racer in South Australia over 2016, 2017, when I was going flat out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing a lot of events. Yeah, so I was in, went over to Canada and represented Australia in the World Champs. 2017 actually placed 81st in the pro category. So out of about 2,000 athletes from 60-plus countries around the world, I was in the top 3% of those competing athletes. So that was that was pretty good. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty big cool. achievement. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. And, and I guess you're fairly stuck quite new to the sport. Yeah. Yeah. So Very new. Did it kind of shock you a bit? Or? It 
dead. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. been a been a hell of a ride over the last yeah. what four years since starting OCR in 2015. I won my first event, start of 2016, and yeah, then getting selected to represent Australia yeah. at the end of 2016. It was just I couldn't actually believe. <laughs> yeah, how Yeah. Yeah, and actually doing this podcast with you, it's made me realise how much I've actually done. Yeah. I've actually sat down and made a few notes here of a few of the events and like where I started and what I've actually achieved over the last four years. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've, <laughs> I've done a lot. <laughs> you just yeah. sort of forget how much you've done and how how short a time period it's been. Like, so you can kind of forgive yourself that little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cool. So what's, um, what's next? Have you got a new come up like the second half of this year? Or? Yeah, so, yes, last year I took a bit of time off OCR and started focusing more on Ninja Warrior side of things. Yep. So um, that led into, yeah, my shoulder recovery and stuff like that. And then um, did a, quite a few Ninja competitions last year. Didn't have the best results. I was still quite new in the Ninja Warrior side of things. And uh, mentally, I wasn't. I guess that's strong with my competition. I was a bit all over the place. I'd like to go really fast and in going really fast, you forget certain rules and you make silly mistakes and slip up here and there, which ends up uh, pulling up a bit sooner than you would like in different competitions. So that's been a good learning experience through that. And this year I've focused a lot more on those Ninja Warrior competitions. And uh, through uh, base camp, we've held quite a few different events. There's different groups around Australia that hold them. So there's Australian Ninja Games, there's the NCL Ninja Challenge League. Um, we hold our own in-house competitions, Australian Ninja All-Stars. Yeah. And I've actually been doing really well. And the th three or four comps we've had this year, I've actually won all of those so <laughs> I guess my training is paying off yeah, yeah. and just thinking about the obstacles a bit more and slowing yeah slowing down my thought process but actually being able to move faster through the course yeah. so in those comps I've actually qualified for the grand finals which will be held later in the year yeah. so we'll be holding one the Australian Ninja Games final at base camp and that's in November and then the NCL Grand Final will be in Perth at the Ninja Academy, yep. so that's later in the year as well. Um, so that'll be, those competitions will be the best of the best, all the ninjas from around Australia. Yeah. So you've actually got to qualify by placing in the top three or so in those qualifying competitions. So it'll be really good to have all the ninjas from all the different states come through. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be battling it out to see who's who's at the top of that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. How much um, of your school course racing translates? Do you, do you think that gave you a good kind of base just for getting to Ninja? Yeah, yeah, really good base. Yeah. I guess 
I fell into OCR, or I found OCR through my love of Ninja Warrior. So back in the day, I started watching Ninja Warrior when it was on Japan. Yeah. On, I think it was on SBS. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow just found it. And uh, yeah, I was like, wow, this is amazing. These ninjas that are just normal people. There's like a, one guy was a fisherman. So he'd be on the fishing trawler boats, climbing up the rigging and... <laughs> Yeah, another dude with like a gas station attendant and yeah. they devote their lives to this Ninja Warrior course and they build these obstacles and stuff in their backyard and just year after year they'd go back and try to conquer Mount Midoriyama, which is the end goal. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is just amazing. And then yeah. um, I was like, oh, that'll, that'll never come to Australia though. And then I heard about OCR and I was like, oh, wow, this is like Ninja Warrior, but with running as well so it's like you've got your military style obstacles and but these days they're getting more and more elaborate elaborate sorry and then uh more like these ninja warrior obstacles so i started ocr and then a few years later ninja warrior actually came to australia so through those years of competing in ocr and having the natural ability for the obstacles like this is amazing i gotta yeah get into Ninja Warrior and then it actually happened and I made it onto season one. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's similar but different because I guess OCR, you've got a lot of running to it. So you're running and then you get to the obstacles and your heart rate is at a really elevated state. So you have to slow things down and do things with a lot more control. Whereas Ninja Warrior is just obstacle after obstacle. So you've got to have a lot more grip strength endurance rather than your cardiovascular endurance. But it does go hand in hand. Yeah. I think that's helped quite a bit. Yeah. I guess um, that ability, you know, you're running, I suppose, and you kind of get into a, you know, a bit of a rhythm, I suppose, and then mm. you sort of switch your brain back on and get into that more. Yeah. That kind of would translate that mental sort of capacity that yeah. you just you know, switch on. I guess that sort of translates a bit to the... Yeah, 100%. And the way you approach obstacles is coming in. If you're running into an obstacle, you might be 15, 16 k's into a race, so your heart rate's really high, you're really fatigued. You've got to be able to look at that obstacle, break it down on the fly as you're moving towards it, because it might be something you've never faced before, and then figure out what's going to be the most efficient, best way through the obstacle. And... Most uh, competitive obstacle races, there'll be like a burpee penalty. So you get one chance to complete the obstacle. And if you fail that at any stage, you have to stop, do 30 burpees as a penalty, and then move on. So you really don't want to mess up that obstacle because that 30 burpees could be the difference between you finishing on the podium or not even being in the top 10. It's, it's It can be that close in the elite waves. So... So do you feel the um, obstacle, obstacle horse racing experience sort of gave you a base um, to, to transition to the Ninja Warrior stuff? Uh, yeah, for sure. That definitely helped with that. From, was it my, about a year, my year of experience of obstacle racing and obstacle training, it really gave me a good idea of how you can approach different obstacles and different methods. There's always more than one way to get through an obstacle. So to have that um, in my toolbox 
with knowledge, um, it really helped when it came to Ninja Warrior. And then again, coming to, up to obstacles that you've never seen or done before, you need to be able to figure out the best way to do that on the fly without making any silly mistakes. <laughs> um, so yeah, talk us through the, the whole Ninja Warrior um, kind of experience. Um, yeah, like I, I, we spoke a little bit about it earlier, but um, just the, I watched some of the highlights from, from your, your run and it seemed, uh, yeah, it seemed you're very like overwhelmed when you kind of got there and, and, um, and I'm sure, you know, if you'd gone and done the exact same course, yeah, it definitely was. You really hit the nail on the head there. Um, yeah, all the emotions you go through. I mean, the process just to get onto the show is extremely long and difficult. I think the first season, there was about 7,000 athletes that um, auditioned across Australia and then from that only about 3,000 or so get to the second stage which is the fitness testing stage where they put you through this 25 minute um, brutal grip strength and sort of <laughs> crazy fitness test and then out of that I think across Australia only seven of those people completed the entire um, fitness test. Yeah, I was I was one of those seven that completed everything. So, so you went seven thousand people down to seven. So I don't know what it is. In yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, and then from that fitness testing stage, only two hundred and fifty make it to the actual show for filming. So I was one of those two hundred and fifty people, and being only one of seven to complete the whole test, the amount of pressure and expectation I'd had on myself was so high it was yeah and then I guess being very new into competitive sports is only this is like a year after my first obstacle race and I'd only uh, been doing it for such a short period of time I hadn't had that experience and I was still very young in my mindset I guess you could say um, so yeah, coming from that, like I said, the expectations I had on myself was just crazy. So then the, the lead up to running on the night is extremely, uh, taxing mentally and physically it's throughout the day. You're doing different things without going into too much detail, um, photo shoots and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. I've been so excited, like you're on Ninja Warrior. It's uh, it's been a dream of mine since I yeah. saw that first episode in Japan on the on the SBS or whatever it was. So yeah, yeah. yeah getting to the course, you there's a massive lead up. There's a few down times throughout the day. So yeah, adrenaline will be peaking, and then you got to relax and just chill, and then you don't actually know when you're going to be running throughout the night. So you're constantly on edge and then you get out there walking up the steps onto the platform to start. You've got the live audience there, all the lights and cameras in your face, the TV host talking it up yeah. and you're just trying to focus on what needs to be done but there's so much going on, so many different distractions and emotions and 
to sort of dial all that in and focus on what has to be done is just quite overwhelming, especially being so new to it. So yeah. I really didn't handle it very well and from that I failed that second obstacle, the bomb slider, which was the ninja killer of the night. Yeah. <laughs> it took out more than fifty percent of the ninjas on that night and we knew it was gonna be hard. And having that in the back of your mind you might have an idea of how you're gonna approach the obstacle and then from others failing you might I was, I was definitely doubting myself on how I should have been able to do it, what method I was going to take. So that leads to making a, a silly mistake that now I may not make because I'm a bit more centred and can think about things a bit more rationally. <laughs> was it, it was a little bit. It was yeah. The thunderstorm was on and off that night, so we were even considering, they were considering shutting down the whole operation because the thunderstorm rolled in too close with the lightning and stuff they would have to call it off so yeah <laughs> so that was another factor that was on our minds will we even get a run um so yeah i got out on the course and it was drizzling a bit so the obstacles were slightly wet and that was just playing on my mind didn't actually turn out to be that much of a factor but of course, it was just another thing to think about. But. Yeah, and psych yourself out a bit, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Focus kind of shifts. Um, yeah. So how many, how many people actually finished the entire course? On that night, yeah. uh, it was only a handful that got to the buzzer yeah. from memory. Um, yeah, I guess it's all a bit of a blur from when I hit the water. <laughs> yeah. I was in my own head after that, just completely devastated with how I'd done this whole build up and you know dream of being able to get to the top of the warp wall and hit the buzzer yeah. was over within 15 20 seconds of being on the course yeah. and you look quite smooth on that first that first one yeah yeah i think i find that with a lot of competitions like you you'll have all the nerves and stuff at the start and then as soon as you step on the course all of that goes away and I get this tunnel vision where I, I'm just focusing on what is in front of me. But yeah. Again, I've learnt how to manage that a lot better now. Um, I didn't, yeah, being very new to that, I didn't have that control and ability to be able to focus as well as I needed to. I was, I was quite confident in how well I was going to do backing off from the, the fitness test and stuff like that and having won an obstacle race earlier in the year and knowing uh, sorry what I was capable of. So, um, yeah, it was kind of lost where I was my train of thought there. <laughs> yeah. so sometimes the, um, like the confidence isn't a bad thing, but yeah. um, I, think, you know, I think sometimes it's good to know exactly what you're capable of. Mm, and definitely. Then you, you can manage your own expectations. Then, so yeah. if you, you know, if you're good at something, it's, it's important to, I guess, be externally humble, but internally, yeah, you, you need to go. Well, I know that I can do this. I know this are my strengths. And, yeah, and I know I have an advantage. You know? Yeah, I don't that, think that's that's um, being cocky or anything. I think it's, no, it's, it's been um, pretty well centered. Yeah, and certainly, like I mean, I have 
and the success that you've had, but like certainly in certain things, I've, I've utilised that. And yeah. It's been a great tool to um, kind of drown out some of the noise and, and some of those external distractions because I, yeah. I can, you know, I can, I can say, well, you know, these are my strengths, this is how I can tackle this problem. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and that gives me, it just takes that decision-making process away. Yeah. So key to go into any any competition, you see the best guys all across and girls across the world. Doesn't matter what sport you're in, you need to be composed and be able to think through each obstacle, whatever challenge you're going to face, with a relaxed mindset. You don't want to go into it with your heart rate through the roof and just yeah, like a like a ball at a gate. You want to have some sort of thought process to it and stay relaxed. And you know that the training you've put in over the years leading up to that moment, you have the skills to be able to do whatever it is. But as soon as you sort of start freaking out or putting too much thought into it, you'll lose the ability to just move freely and smoothly. Yeah. You'll start over-gripping things just... Working it's too hard, yeah. Yeah, it's too much decision making going into Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because we were talking about you know, the instinct versus the technical kind of skill yeah. earlier. Yeah. You know, this is like sort of pure instinct now, you just need to let it take over. Yeah, you just have to trust that yeah. the training you've done will be enough. And, yeah. and, and, and yeah, like if. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so not to harp on about it, what, what what was the feeling like like after you like you hit the water and you just got out of the water and just like man that was the yeah, what 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 was that what was sort of going through your head at that time? Ah extreme disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, it's it all happened so quickly, like uh I'd hit the mat, I was so close to making that, that dismount and then to be wet, like this, that's the worst nightmare for any ninja out there. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you got to pull yourself out of the pool and the cameras are right there and yeah, it was even hard to watch like when it came out, <laughs> that was about six months after it actually happened because they take, it takes quite a while to piece it all together with all the editing and stuff like that, as you would imagine. So, yeah, it's extremely disappointing. I was kind of lost for words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did they come heartbreaking. Did they really? or is it like someone, like, did they want, like, a statement? Like, did they come and see it afterwards? The camera was there, but I think I was just so, so disappointed and so shocked at what had happened. I, they could probably see that I wasn't, like, <laughs> yeah. able to speak i think i may, might have looked at the camera and said i'll be back or <laughs> or something along those lines that's yeah. all my brain could process at that moment and yeah. just to go back to the green room where all the other ninjas were to sit down and just <laughs> think about what had happened and how quickly it all can disappear like that it was, yeah. yeah extremely disappointing but you know 
you get stronger and learn from all your mistakes. I've that wasn't the only mistake. I've <laughs> I've done quite a few other competitions, and I guess that's helped me grow a lot stronger mentally. As you go into these obstacle races and us or ninja comps, and I'd like to go as fast as I could, and then you're not actually thinking of the obstacle you're on. You might not give it enough respect to what it actually is. You might be thinking, uh, I know one competition that stands out other than Ninja Warrior was in Perth in the NCL. It's the grand final where all the best ninjas come in and I think it was, I'd made it through stage one and started stage two. They have quite a few different rules for each obstacle, things you can and can't touch and things you have to complete. And through my haste, I kind of just forgot <laughs> just a simple rule that I should have done without without a second thought. But yeah. I just wasn't in the moment. I was already thinking about the next obstacle when I hadn't finished the one I was on just because it wasn't a challenge and obstacle for myself. So yeah. I made that silly mistake and that leads to getting disqualified or you fail that obstacle by slipping or falling off. or So you've really got to focus and be in the moment, give every obstacle the respect that it needs and yeah. not actually move your thoughts onto the next obstacle until you're standing there in front of it, about to jump onto it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, the whole... Um, I mean, I guess you've sort of ridden the wave a bit, but like the whole OCR and, and Spartan racing and everything has really, really just exploded sort of over the last kind of five years. So when, when you like first got into it, was it yeah. that was when it was like really, really fresh and new? Yeah, that was quite new. I think it had been around for a few years, but I hadn't really heard anything about it, not being in those circles of fitness and stuff like that. So, it's kind of like a tough motto sort of thing. Yeah. Around, I mean, it's still around. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of just yeah. memory. Like, that feels like that was one of the first, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's like a real sort of military kind of approach. You know? Yeah. And then, but then everything else seems to be more kind of fitness and gymnastics and stuff. Yeah. More, um, yeah, it's all fun, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's really progressed, especially in the obstacle scheme of things. I guess there's the three three main groups that sort of do them, like you said, the Tough Mudders, there's True Grit as well. Yep. They're very military inspired. And then there's the Spartan Race, which is the very much so the more competitive, where they have prize money and it's all timed, whereas the True Grit and Tough Mudders, they're more about camaraderie and you make a team and you go out there and have fun and do certain obstacles together. and yeah. It's more of a fun thing like that. Whereas when you get into the Spartan Races, it's... It's very competitive and they they have the burpee penalties and stuff like that so with the progression and now ninja warriors on the scene you see the obstacles change where before it was simple things like you might have some monkey bars and a rope climb now they're getting a lot more difficult and actually you need to have a lot more grip strength especially when you get to the the world champs because they that, um, they have all the, they have like so many different uh, competitors, not competitors, different organisations that do that in America because they, 
they've obviously been doing it for a lot longer now. So yeah. they have all these different organisations and they'll each bring their biggest and best obstacle to the World Championship race. Oh, okay. So you get to experience different obstacles from different organisations. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, so yeah, they're right. all trying to, I guess, outdo each other or put their best work out there, So, yeah, yeah. which in turn creates these bigger, more elaborate, like City. difficult, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it turns more into a, a ninja competition, which is awesome because that's yeah. what I love doing. Love it, yeah. yeah. So. so they're kind of like almost fusing together in a way. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so where do you kind of see the sport sort of heading? Like, just keep, keep doing what it's doing, keep getting bigger and better. And yeah. It's, <laughs> this, it's actually pretty exciting where OCR and Ninja is heading. There's been talk of the Olympics. So, really? yeah, they're actually been working wow. on getting it to be a demo sport in uh, 2020 next year. So if that happens, that will be absolutely amazing to have OCR. So they are talking about having like a stadium sort of race where they'll have three or 5k sort of event and then you'll have your more ninja warrior types set up with like a 150 meter course with 12 obstacles that you've just got to do as fast as you can yeah and they might have like a head-to-head -head type setup where you're racing side by side against another ninja so uh, have you ever seen those um those uh firefighting like, <laughs> in stuff? russia and yeah. stuff like that yeah Same. yeah <laughs> So that's, I think that's where it's leading. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so good. There's actually a competition in Russia coming up next next month or the start of September or something like that. That is a trial of the Olympic setup. So okay. I was contemplating going over for that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It's a, it's quite an involved process to get to Russia yeah. with a visa set up and everything like that. But okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's very early days, so I think I might let that one uh, slide past and we'll... Yeah, yeah, just like the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I guess like even with the Olympics, like even gymnastics and stuff is starting to evolve a bit. Like, I mean, not so much the um, actual... Um, Sports, but like the athletes and things, that, you know, starting to throw like dance routines and, mm. and that sort of stuff in there and just get their own kind of style. Yeah. Sort of really cool to see. Yeah. It's been like so, I don't want to say stale, but it's been very, it hasn't changed a lot. Yeah. So, um, yep. yeah. I mean, obviously they bring them back like, in you know, the trial sports and like that, but mm. it's still been very. It's the same, yeah, same, same. same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. The skills have definitely progressed. A lot. If you look back at the, like gymnastics, yeah, <laughs> back in the early days, it's yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very um, yeah, structured and but um, yeah, I mean, the running and stuff, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think um, like there's not hasn't been a huge huge ground made like mm. um, especially sprinting that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, it's, I guess it's a big sort of discussion. Moment around like how much faster can we actually get? Yeah. Physiologically, have we kind of reached our, our plateau? Yeah. You know? It might be hundredths of a second to be yeah. to be made, but 
Yeah, can they really be that much more? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It will be very interesting to see. Yeah, which I think introducing introducing ninja and OCR would be amazing for the Olympics because it's such a uh, diverse sort of event and it'd be really entertaining to watch with the evolution of all the obstacles and stuff like that. It's forever growing and changing, so it's not like... Yeah, sprints or track work where it's the same thing over and over. It's it's yeah. going to keep progressing and the obstacles are going to get bigger and harder and more elaborate. So it'd be a really good sport to watch, I think, yeah, as far as spectators go. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It'd be awesome to see. Yeah, it'd be awesome to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. definitely. Um, so, um, kind of jumping across a bit. So, Doing so much physical activity, you know, mm. health rooms, code violations, dogs to good, and how do you sort of manage your recovery? Um, yeah, I've really, it's been a big learning curve over the last four or five years. So I started with the, the strong lifting stuff, and obviously from that, learnt that. Uh, Mobility is a lot more important than just being able to lift heavy stuff yeah. when it came to running and moving through obstacles. So with such a heavy workload and training, as often as I can, I've just learned to be able to listen to my body. We are actually talking about this earlier, about how you start feeling like different muscles. Like You might be out for a run and you'll feel your quads starting to over-dominate. So you'll start to physically or mentally try to switch on your glutes or start activating the correct muscles mm -hmm. and I guess just over time you start to learn how to feel that's not a bad <laughs> no that's <laughs> never good <laughs> so yeah it's just been a massive learning curve and yeah I feel like I'm starting to really get a feel for that so uh, I take that into consideration when I'm training throughout the week I'll, some days you'll wake up and you feel great, so you know you can train a lot harder on those days. And then others, you'll be feeling a lot heavier and slower, so you might have a little niggle, so you might spend the day, have a foam rolling session, or stretch out, or just do like an easy walk, or go for a hike, or something a lot less strenuous. And I've actually started listening, or oh, not listening, I can't really hear it that well, but looking at my heart rate, so yeah. I'll track my heart rate, and when you wake up in the morning, I'll check it. And if it's still like in, I know that if it's around 50, 55 beats per minute, I know that's pretty high for my resting heart rate. So I know my body's still in recovery and I shouldn't over stress it that day. So looking at that, it's really interesting and can actually start to get fatigued and you'll be able to pick up that if your heart rate's been that high over a few days you might be getting close to becoming sick or you're just putting your body through too much yeah. and then days that you wake up and it might be around the low 40s you know that you're good to go and you can just yeah. go as hard as you like <laughs> so that's been really really cool to find that out and yeah. start focusing on that too yeah, it's not really something I've ever really thought of, like, mm. monitoring your heart rate as, yeah. a, um, as a 
would sort of by judging your work capacity for a day. Yeah. That's interesting. I can't remember where I learnt or heard about that, but I thought it was very interesting as well, so I started paying closer attention to it. Like, well, this is actually, it really makes sense, and yeah, the way my body feels. Just go, oh, yeah, I don't really have that, that energy or that drive today, yeah. but there's nothing really measurable in that. Yeah. And you might go, oh, you just, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Jocko can do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's hard when you listen to guys like that, because yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wake up and you feel like that. Be like, you know, Jacko's up <laughs> already. He's, he's, there, yeah. he's already trained. Yeah. Well, Goggins will be out there running on broken legs. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those kind of guys just make you reevaluate <laughs> what sort of effort you're putting in. <laughs> yeah. The human body's just so amazing. Oh, something that really hit home with me was when Goggins spoke about the 40% rule. Have you heard him talk about that? No. Okay, so it's like most people, when you are training or doing some sort of physical activity, you'll get to that level where you want to quit, you've had enough, you think you can't continue, and more often than not, you're at about 40% of what your actually capacity is. So your mind starts telling you, oh, you're sore, you're hurting, this is when you stop, but you've got to dig really deep mentally and push through that because you've got another 60% of effort left in your body but yeah. it's just so easy to take that easy road out and listen to your body yeah. pull up but so I've been trying to work through that and Zoo has been really good to be able to find that 40% and then to be able to push through it because your heart rate can get quite high but it's still low impact on your body so you yeah. have that ability to just mentally dig as deep as you can and just keep pushing. Yeah. And I'd be interested to know how it came, how it came to that number. Yeah. <laughs> Some people say 60%, but yeah. Goggins is, is, is the man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll listen to that. And yeah, yeah. So whenever I get into that hurt box, you know, you've still got so much more to give. So. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, people talk about this a lot, but, like, the brain is wired to avert us from danger and dangerous yeah. situations. So it's yeah. just it's a certain kind of mental, yeah. mental barrier because the body can do yeah, incredible things and it's been proved time and time again. Yeah. You can see, you know, people are laying with the car when you kick <laughs> up something like that, yeah. those sort of things, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the body can do, do insane things. Yep. That's, that's what yeah. uh, I love about doing endurance type events. Yeah. Could be anywhere from 12, 24, even longer and then it's those early hours of the morning where you've been moving for 12 plus hours you, it's cold it's dark you, yeah. you're hurting and you still know you have another 12 hours or so to go <laughs> and after you finish those events just how how good you feel knowing that you've been able to push through <laughs> past any expectations above and beyond where you thought your limitations were. It just makes you grow that much further and then you become a bit obsessed about it and you're always, I find I'm always looking for that next bigger and better and harder challenge. What's, um, well, what's going through your mind when you sleep, right? You sleep, <laughs> just push through, like, 
Is there anything going through your mind, or are you just mushed by that stuff? <laughs> um, depending on the event, it's always different. I think the early stages, when I was first getting into those endurance events, the very first endurance event I did was an overnight 12-hour event called The Suck. <laughs> the name says it all. <laughs> that was held by uh, Joe Decker, who has the title of the world's fittest man for, I think, three three or so years running. Okay. He's competed in a Spartan race, which is called the Death Race, which wow. is just an extremely crazy endurance event, which is on my list of things to do. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so that was my first ever experience of something endurance-related. So 12 hours of just crazy challenges overnight. Um, I was such a noob to that kind of stuff. I had no idea about nutrition or anything like that. So I went into it. I had a couple bags of snakes, some chocolates, yeah. chips, just a whole bunch of rubbish stuff that, <laughs> well... I still use that kind of stuff now, but it's quick. you know, it's yeah. yeah, but you've soon learned that your body only likes sugar for so long. Those, <laughs> yeah. um, the early hours of sweet. So yeah, the early hours of that that morning, I just couldn't stomach or even think about eating any more sugar. My body just started rejecting it. <laughs> so yeah, my. Um, I guess from that, but being able to actually, I still managed to push through the rest of that endurance and saw the sun come up and you always get that extra burst of energy when the sun comes out yeah. and you know that you're not far from the end of, <laughs> of whatever you're putting your body through. Yeah. And then, yeah, just when you finish that final rep or climb that final hill, you just are overwhelmed with the sense of achievement and the emotions. There's been a couple of events where you just get overrun by emotion. You don't know why or what it is, but you might start crying and you're like, what is happening yeah. right now? Like I've just, yeah. you've just been through this hell of a journey and yeah. your body is just, yeah, it's quite amazing. All the endorphins and all that that's running through your body. Just, yeah. Yeah. Kind of hard to explain unless you've actually. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Like yeah. Just that, um, just yeah, it's just it's an overwhelming. Yeah. It's feel. just a mix of emotions yeah. like you know, it's a yeah. bit of relief. And, yeah. Yeah, accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and then I think that feeling is what leads you to look for that next challenge. Like, yeah. If I can do. 12 hours on jelly beans and chocolate like <laughs> <laughs> what's next what what else can I do and then you learn how to dial in your nutrition and what your body wants you start to crave different things and then you've actually got to learn to listen to that yeah. you know from that event I think it was about three or four in the morning I started really wanting to eat some bacon like, yeah I think it was just the salt and the just yeah. a bit of texture like, yeah. yeah so nice. I've learnt to pack <laughs> pack some pack some bacon on my yeah. trips <laughs> yeah I think, um, it's such a simple thing I think one of the 
one of the biggest things that I sort of, uh, one of the hardest things for me to learn with running was um, nutrition-wise was to give your body nutrition when you feel good. Yeah. Because well, by the time you feel like crap, it's already too late. Yeah. So <laughs> hit it when you feel good and then you yeah, it's very easy to fall into that trap of you just forget to eat or you just yeah. keep moving and then next I thing you know you'll, yeah. you'll be thirsty and you're like, uh-oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel that onset of that first cramp, you know yeah. you've, you've left it too long for you might have a salt tablet or something, but yeah. it's very hard to come back from that. You want yeah. to stay on top of it, keep that nutrition coming in. It's such a simple thing, but it's so easy to forget to. Yeah. Um, yeah, so cool. So what's next for, for you? You Ninja Warrior season four? Four, maybe? yeah. I was, ah, uh, it's very, very unfortunate last season. I was supposed to be running in season three. Yeah. I'd made it to the show, so I made it through the selection process and all the auditions and stuff like that. And then on the night I was supposed to run, um, they were just having technical difficulties being the first night of filming and stuff like that and we were brought in with the news there was a handful of us left to run and they'd run out of time for filming they just come to that time cut off so I actually missed out and didn't actually get a chance to step foot on the course so coming back from recovery and a year or two of solid training that was that was another <laughs> disappointing thing to go through just a whole nother experience yeah. it wasn't from anything that I had done any failure that I'd done on the course it was just purely ran out of time and didn't have the opportunity to get out there so yeah bad luck that's the way it goes sometimes and yeah. um, that was actually quite hard coming out of that from all the effort I'd put into it I was left quite lost, I guess, because I put so much effort and emphasis onto Ninja Warrior. Yeah. That was my main goal for the year. And then not being able to do that, I was like, okay, now what? So yeah. it took me quite a few months to actually get through that mentally and actually start training for another event. I had to find something to sort of focus on and distract myself. Um, so I threw myself into a triathlon at the start of the year. Oh. <laughs> Something completely yeah. left of centre. Um, not being able to swim. I've always been a weak swimmer. So I was yeah. like, you know what? I need a challenge. Something that's going to really take up a bit of time. So I'll do a triathlon. So within a few months, I had to learn how to swim. <laughs> wow. So that was... This is funny because I actually, on another point of my earlier podcast, I spoke to a guy who basically did the same thing like yeah. his wow. first triathlon like sprint triathlon yeah um, couldn't swim yeah could, could do enough to get by but yeah. you know just couldn't he, in his words he did enough to not die not, he did enough to not drown in yeah. the water until he's out there yeah and, um, and then he ended up um, yeah finishing three times yeah wow yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I was at that level I think like I did a sprint 400 meter swim that I had to complete and that was in open water yeah. down at West Lakes so I feel like if I went out there in <laughs> those 
earlier months, I probably would have drowned. <laughs> That's the sort of level I was at with my swimming ability. So I really threw myself in the deep end and put, yeah, <laughs> put in a lot of time in the pool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Like, so, it's just a yeah. Yeah. Um, digressing. Um, going back to the question, <laughs> yeah. what's next for me? Um, this second half of this year is actually quite busy. I've got quite a few ninja events coming up. Um, through the first few months of the year, we've held quite a few different events at base camp for different groups that run ninja comps. There's the NCL Australian Ninja Games and the Australian Ninja All Stars. So through competing in those events, I managed to win those three three or four events that we've put on, which led me to qualify for the grand finals later in the year. So we'll be holding one at base camp, the Australian Ninja Games, and I'll be heading to Perth a bit later for the NCL grand final. So that'll be the best of the best ninjas from all around Australia have qualified. and So that'll be the... Yeah. what's the main focus for me for the rest of the year yeah. and oh, there's another one a state versus state comp which would be pretty cool oh, yeah. up in Queensland cool. uh, yeah <laughs> so we put together our strongest team of four for South Australia so hopefully we'll be able to do well and represent the state yeah. and yeah well, yeah thanks it should be yeah. very interesting yeah, that's that's uh, it's all ninja this year. Yeah, busy time <laughs> Yeah, taking a bit of a step back from OCR, just to focus on the ninja side of things. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for the chat, Jim. That was um, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me on, Sam. It's that's been right. really good. Yeah, right, fantastic. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much. Well, guys, that was my chat with Jim Delterfield, Ninja Warrior. I uh, hope you really, really enjoyed it. Um, I do apologize for the technical and audio issues we were having. Um, I really don't know what happened, but I'm working on it. And, um, yeah, I really hope you got some value listening to, to Jim, though. He was loud and clear. And um, what a story. Just... Um, just what a rapid, rapid development and journey uh, he went through in, in, in such a short space of time. Um, and to be where he is now is just uh, phenomenal. So, yeah, if you want to check him out and follow his journey on Instagram, he is jimdelterfield.ninja. Um, you can see what he's up to and what he's doing. Um, and also, just a shameless plug here, but if you want to check me out on Instagram, I am just Sam C. Willis. Um, and yeah, you can hit me up there, say good day. I've also added an email address to the bio for this podcast now. So if you want to give me any feedback, any comments, suggestions, you want to tell me that my audio is crap, um, yeah, you can just flick me an email there and, and let me know. Um, shameless plug number two I've also just started up a fitness business so I um, will be providing some online fitness um, personal training running coaching uh, S&C stuff so 
If you are interested in that, um, you can follow the link in my Instagram bio to that page as well. That is Athletex Human Performance. And the Instagram is just at Athletex Human Performance. So check it out if you're interested. Um, and yeah, thanks again for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.